Hello and welcome to an emergency podcast, an emergency <laughs> D1 baseball podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, and all of our podcasts brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. I want to encourage everyone to get on their website at S2 and check out the concept of doing an assessment. Get the information. Uh, so much great stuff going on at S2 Cognition. I am joined by the great Kendall J. Rogers. And, and KR, we want to just jump in here there's a ton of news that's breaking and obviously you are you are our woge you know you are our adam Schefter in college baseball so i'm going to throw some topics at you and and this will be a very brief we're going to be less than 15 minutes on this puppy but let's start with chase burns you know chase burns yeah. entered the transfer portal i would say he's the most famous name in the portal he's a lock for a first round pick next year probably a top 10 pick maybe a top five pick um he is committed to wake forest what was your take on that well, first of all, it's interesting he went out of the SEC. I mean, obviously, early in this process, I had heard that from several sources that he was looking to kind of get out of the, the SEC. Not necessarily. I know, like, Tennessee fans are like, oh, he's, he's scared of the SEC. It's not that. But, like, he got, I think he kind of wanted some new surroundings, wanted the ability to be a Friday night guy. Uh, I think he kind of thought some of those programs presented that best opportunity. Uh, TCU was heavily in the mix. That's a program that I heard. Uh, was very much on his list. You know, that was kind of the original rumor, right? Uh, was mm -hmm. TCU. Um, there was there were some things that kind of came up transcript wise. I think, you know, he just hearing through the grapevine that kind of kept that from happening. Uh, and then you know, Wake Forest gets in the mix, which by the way, Wake Forest is actually this is a whole topic for another podcast. But you know, Wake Forest has been in it for several high profile prospects. This is a, a program now runes that has a lot of helium. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, all throughout the College World Series, it was. Core Mascara, you know, Pitching Lab, Tom Walter, you know, a lot of momentum in, in Winston-Salem. And that momentum has really carried over to the offseason. This is a program that all of a sudden has a lot of confidence in the recruiting trail. And with the, the, the you know, the addition of Chase Burns, this is a program I think is going to have a lot of confidence going to 24. Uh, yeah, you lose Rhett Louder, you lose Seth Keener, you lose Sean Sullivan, Cameron Manassie, uh, all sorts of different names. But – not to mention all the, you know, Brock Wilkins of the world. But from a sheer pitching standpoint, this is now a program that with Chase Burns in the fold, your rotation now is Josh Hartle, Chase Burns, uh, you know. And, Massey, and, maybe. Michael yeah, Massey. Yeah, and my, Michael there. Massey, who, you know, was, was up to, what, 96, 97 with a filthy slider uh, in the College World Series. So, I mean, if that is where you're working from, from a foundational level as a, as a, as a program – yeah, you know, you lost some guys offensively. You're going to get Nick Kurtz back. You're going to get some others back. But, uh, you know, that's a pretty good place to start. And, and, you know, let's talk about Chase Burns real quick. You know, this is a guy that we have seen in the past excel as a starting pitcher. I mean, he mm -hmm. was a, the, the, the national freshman of the year by D1 Baseball because of, uh, of being a starting pitcher. Yeah, he had a couple of iffy starts at the end of his year, uh, particularly against Notre Dame after the first few innings in the Super Regional. But he had proven himself as a starter. This past year, not so much. You know, the command wasn't quite there as a starter. The stuff wasn't quite there as a starter. Well, I don't say the stuff is more so command-based. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the end of the year, you know, it was up to, you know, 99. I think he even touched the triple digits out of the bullpen. The slider, the cutter, really nice pitches for him. And I have zero doubt that Corey Mascara will turn him, to a, turn him into a really good starting pitcher. And that's not to say Frank Anderson did anything wrong. But sometimes just getting in a new environment with just a different philosophy, a different approach really helps a guy. And I think that's really going to help a kid like Chase Burns. 
Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's for Wake Forest, it's if you were worried about them being a one-hit wonder, um, you know, I mean, to your point, KR, this is really them capitalizing on the best year in school history. And then, you know, I think it's good for college baseball that a kid transfers from the SEC out of the SEC. Like, you know, whether each kid's going to make their own individual choice, but just the fact that that's feasible or that's viable, I think is healthy. You know, we we don't want to be live in a world where every transfer feels like, I have to go to one conference. So I think there's some health in that choice for Chase Burns. And I'll tell you this too, man, not, not to open a totally different can of worms here, but you know, Brady Montgomery, another storyline out of the portal right mm-hmm. now, by the way, the portal closes today. So we're sitting here January 13th, the portal closes into today. That does not mean you can't enter tomorrow. What that means is you have to file paperwork by today. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see some names trickling over the next few days, but today is the last day you can have your paperwork in. But, you know, Brady Montgomery out of Stanford enters the portal a couple of days ago. That was just one of those guys that, you know, had been rumored the last couple of days or the last couple of months, really. Honestly, like I think of my first email about him going to the portal was a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And he has now gone into the portal – I'm fascinated to see what Braden Montgomery does because I view Braden Montgomery being in the portal is a much larger college baseball potential storyline because I think if you're the West Coast and 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 let me let me start by saying I was talking to an SEC coach yesterday and we were talking about the impact of these things on West Coast baseball and they thought that the impact and and they actually weren't even in favor of this happening. Like they were like, man, this, this probably would not be very good for college baseball, mm-hmm. but they were like, if Braden Montgomery leaves the West coast, if a kid leaves Stanford, mm-hmm. one of the top two or three degrees in the United States of America to go play in the Southeastern conference, because he just wants to play in the sec or potentially get a really nice NIL deal. Like the West coast is screwed because like, if you're going to leave Stanford of all places, You'll leave anywhere, and mm-hmm. so I think I view I think I view Brady Montgomery. I don't I don't think I'm exaggerating here. I view Brady Montgomery being in the portal is a much larger deal for college baseball. I think it's important for the West Coast. I think if you're UCLA, if you're Oregon, if you're Washington, you're rooting for this guy to stay at Stanford because if he leaves, then every other player out there, not to say they're just all going to leave, but every player out there that's a high profile prospect is going to go. Well, hell, if this guy's leaving Stanford. Right. Like to go to the SEC, then, then what the heck am I doing? So I actually am one of those people, like I hope he stays put at Stanford. I think it's better for the sport if he stays put. And I do think there's a, still a legitimate chance he stays put at Stanford, but it sounds like there's going to be need, there's going to be some need to be some kind of pieces moved around, so to speak, for that to happen. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think, you know, I, I want him to stay at Stanford because it's a world-class education and he's halfway done with that yeah. degree. I mean, this, this is a one in a trillion degree. And, you know, I, I think what's interesting, Luke Hill from Arizona State also in the mm-hmm. portal today. And, you know, like he's a Baton Rouge kid and, um, you know, Jordan Thompson just got drafted. And so I think what's interesting is California kids are flooding to the SEC, but Braden Montgomery and Luke Hill are two SEC kids that went west. And now they're running right back home, it would seem. And so if I'm a West Coast school, I, I think you're right, Kendall. Like, I think if you're the West Coast, there, this is going to require some real examination. How you recruit? Do you yeah. play freshmen? You know, was that a wise investment of playing time by Arizona State this year to, to invest in Luke Hill? Because I, I think I could argue mm-hmm. their program's net worse for that. Because now you've got a gaping hole at shortstop. And it could hurt you in recruiting when you're playing a freshman at shortstop. 
Yeah, you know what's really interesting, and I haven't at, I haven't touched base with anybody in the AC program about this just yet, but I have a feeling that when Luke Hill started playing really well for ASU, given where he's from and given the landscape, and given that you know they do have guys like Graham Rossini and whatever around that program, they they kind of know the landscape of this whole thing. I have a feeling that ASU probably has a plan. No, like question. I, I, th- I think if you're Willie B, you, like you cannot look at. Luke Hill being a Baton Rouge kid and knowing what LSU and, and I'm not just you know pointing out LSU is like tampering or anything like that. I'm talking about just schools sure. in general, whether it's LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. If you're a, a kid from Baton Rouge and you go out to Arizona State and you flourish, like if you're Willie B, like percentages are that he's probably going to want to get closer to home and go to a quote unquote higher profile conference. So, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to have a a Luke Hill comp come in. But I'm, my guess is that like Willie B was not looking at this going, oh, man, I didn't see this yeah. coming. You know, but you like, can see where that's a problem, right? Kind of like if, yeah. you re- if I'm recruiting, you know, Mason Rogers to be the next shortstop and I'm telling him, hey, we think Luke Hill's going to leave. First of all, I'm like, what if he doesn't? Second of all, I'm yeah. like, man, why would if he's leaving, why should I go? Right. It's like, what does that tell yeah. me about your program that this kid you already know he's leaving? So, I mean, but I, I, you're right. Like, there's no question that ASU was probably considering this it's it's tricky like the question is in my mind is do you even go down that road in the first place you know like is it is it even worth it to recruit a kid out of louisiana if you're west yeah. coast, coast school i'd be I yeah know. i'd be curious to go back in time and see like who all luke was considering at a high school you know was it was it you know arizona state lafayette you know louisiana tech schools like that or you know are there some sec schools that he turned down but but yeah i think it, the, this whole portal thing as it winds down here requires a whole lot of forward thinking. Like no you really, you really have to, I mean, there are things that you had to do as a coach when you're at Arizona state that is totally different than what coaches now have to deal with. Oh, like you really, incredible. you're a, you really have to evaluate what you think a kid might do. Yeah. Like when you go recruit somebody, does this seem like a kid that in two years, like he's going to be out of here, like he's going to be gone. Like those are things you kind of have to look at. You're almost like a psychologist on top of being a a college baseball coach. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And and I I would say too, kind of like, as I think you're going down this road too, it's for a different podcast, but like as a sport, there's no other sport on the planet earth that has one year that I'm aware of that has one year free agency. Like you have to earn free agency. Now you could argue it's a one-time transfer and I, th- I do think the NCA is going to have to step in and say, look, if you've used your one-time transfer, you've used your one-time transfer and there's no mental health mm-hmm. exemption. Like, I think I could argue that if mental health is the exemption, then the best thing you could do is take a year at your next college and just catch your breath. But, yeah. you know, we, we know that the NCA has not been very courageous in standing up to things like that. So if every year kids are moving again, that's for a different podcast, but I, well, I think it's, yeah. a, it's a little wild right now. Yeah, I will say the NCA has been pretty steadfast on on denying waivers for two time transfers. Uh, I mean, they basically came out was it like a month ago. So like there were four or five high profile basketball recruits. That were, oh, that I didn't know that. That's good to hear. Considering going and transferring a second time, and the NCA basically came out and said, like, listen, like the circumstances are going to have to be outrageous for you to get a waiver. You know, there were a couple of kids I heard this year in the college baseball circuit, one of them an All-American that was trying to get a waiver to to 
transfer a second time. And like before he could even get the process started, the NCA was just like, yeah, it like basically co- com- NCA via their compliance is like, yeah, this is not gonna, like zero shot. Like, yeah, yeah, like you're not you're not moving to get closer to Granny when you're moving to a program 800 miles away from where Granny lives. So yeah. they they have gotten tougher on that, but this is gonna be really interesting just in the future with the portal because I do think change will be on the horizon. Uh, I just I don't see how this system in any any NCA sport can operate the way it does right now. Um, th- thankfully, I've not heard a lot of rumors this summer of like NIL just totally engulfing players. You know, last year I thought it was just chippy and nasty because it seemed like in whether whether you know this actually happened or not, who knows? But you know, the last last summer it was oh Florida and LSU and all these Tennessee and all these programs are just throwing money to people. I have not really heard that this summer. It's been more like a kid's, you know, Chase Burns is transferring because he wants to be a Friday night guy and essentially be potentially guaranteed that. I don't think Moose at Wake is going to guarantee that. But, sure. like, that, that is what his goal is. You know, Luke Holman at Alabama is transferring out because, I mean, his head coach at recruiting there is no longer there. So, like, enough, it yeah. gives him an opportunity to make a point. So, like, I don't see many kids in right now other than may, maybe Brady Montgomery to where you're like – Huh, that's interesting. So I, I think I do think that's an improvement. Yeah, and, and not every kid's transferring. Like I had heard that Rodney Green Jr. and Caleb Lomavita are staying at Cal, and you know Cal hasn't made the NCAA tournament in their time, and like that's really cool. Like not every kid's going to transfer, and I think that's a very fair point. Well, Tim, it's just me- like well, real real quick before we turn the page on this thing. Um, I, I think last year the portal was the portal was in, and a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, there's you know what 20, 2,600 kids in there now. Clearly, it's still popular, but I think last summer that like from a high profile player standpoint, it was considered like the cool thing to do to get in the portal. I think as we kind of go on and go on, I think the portal is less cool. You know, mm-hmm. like I, yeah, I feel fair. like it won't be the shiny new object. Like, oh, I'm going to go get in the portal see what happens. Like, I think that's going to tell off. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be very fascinating. I mean, it's like the velocity of change in college sports right now is really, it, it'll knock the breath out of your chest. So it's, this yeah. is just another one of those areas. Yeah. Um, let me give you a, a couple bullet points and then we'll, sure. we'll finish with the coaching changes. So Jay uh, Wolfolk at Virginia announced today he's not going to play football next year. So that's going to give him a chance to really focus on baseball, which I think that's really exciting for Virginia. And they've got a good team coming back next year, clearly. Texas has gotten a ton of great news since the draft. Porter Brown said he's coming back. I think he may be in medical school, so he could be playing at Texas. That guy, yeah, yeah. I think that guy's on like his ninth year or something. Yeah. And he's got plenty of school left. So, but th- I think this would be his final year. Tanner Witt is returning. LeBaron Johnson is returning. That that was shocking. So Texas looks loaded for Bear. Um, Mark Martinez is resigning from San Diego State or retiring, and so that's the end of a great run for Coach Martinez. Yeah. Uh, that that will be open. Let's let's finish with this, Kendall. So Boston College. Uh, well, let's let's do it in chronological order. Penn State hires Mike Gambino from Boston College, a really interesting hire for Penn State. And then Boston College hires Todd Internato from Wofford to go up to to BC. Give me your your take on those two hires. Yeah, r- real quick before I get to those hires, another guy that by the way decided to only play baseball, Will Taylor at Clemson. If wow. you remember him, he was a high, very high profile. He played in football. football. Like, he was on the field, I thought, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah, I believe so, too. So, he was a uh, prep baseball reporter. had him ranked the number 28th player in the country at a high school. He's focusing 100% on baseball. Um, 
from a coaching hire standpoint, it's really interesting when you look at what, what Penn State did. You know, Pat Kraft, I'll give him a lot of credit. You know, he traveled to Omaha during the College World Series. He wanted to kind of get the lay of the land in Omaha. You know, after all, if you're if you're trying to hire a coach and you're talking about Omaha, it's kind of hard to do that if you've never been there. So he went to Omaha, got to lay the land, you know, met with Bill Salento and, and Corey Mascara at Wake Forest. Ultimately, Mascara stayed put, got a new deal at Wake Forest. Uh, it sounds like he heavily considered that job. Uh, you know, he's got a, a kiddo on the way, and that probably factored in his decision a little bit. But Corey Mascara decides to stay put, and Penn State ends up with Mike Gambino. The biggest thing with, with Penn State that's been really impressive to hear and, and r- frankly, good to hear is uh, Pat Kraft is making a, a sizable uh, commitment to baseball. Like mm-hmm. Mike Gambino's salary uh, is much higher than what, uh, you know, Rob Cooper was making. The assistant pool at Penn State is, is much higher than what it was under Rob Cooper. So clearly Pat Kraft wants to win in baseball. That is comforting to hear, especially as the Big Ten gets in this transition where USC and UCLA join that conference. Maybe this is a set of a new trend for that league, so that's good news. And then for Boston College, uh, you know, the, the job that they did on their on their coaching search, Steve Tremper was a guy that they would have loved <coughs> – excuse me – loved to hire – but uh, he stayed put at Stetson. Actually signed a new deal through 2028. Sounds like Jeff Altier really took care of him next year. Keep it on the Hatters uh, runes. They're going to be pretty good next year. They've got a lot of guys back. But, you know, Boston College ultimately uh, – and let's say settled on, but ultimately hired Todd Intermonado, who if you go and look at Todd's resume at Wofford, it's mind-blowing what he's Incredible. done with the Terriers. Yeah. He's won like 36 or more games like seven times at Wofford. Uh, he's won 40 plus games the last two years. And so, you know, he's one of those guys that you, you know, if you've ever, ta- I don't know if you've ever even talked to him doing the serious show or whatever, but if you get on the phone with that guy, like you're two minutes in and you're like, I'm all in with this dude. Yeah. And I'm actually shocked that he has not gotten a larger job to this point. I think even though he's a kind of a North Carolina Southern guy, I think that's a really cool hire for BC because if you look at you, if you look at UConn and the job that Jim Penders has done, like he, you know, like they've they've done some things outside the box. And I think if you're BC, like you got to go hire somebody that's a little bit of an outside the box thinker, a guy that can, you know, go down to South Carolina, go down to Virginia, and convince some kind of middle of the road kids to go play in Boston and go play in the ACC. I think that's a really cool hire for BC. Yeah, yeah, and and Todd's been so creative with base running. You know, they're they're one of the highest volume running teams in college baseball. You know, low slot arms. I mean, he's just a very creative thinker in baseball. And so, you know, it just like reading the Boston College release on Todd Adornado, like Gabe Kapler has a quote in there. Tim Corbin has a quote. I mean, the quotes are like all over the country. Really unique. And and to your point, Kr, like. That, that was a home run hire. And, I, you know, as a Pennsylvania native, I'm encouraged to hear what Pat Kraft said about baseball. I do think they need to turf that field like a grass field. I don't believe it's turf that a grass field in that part of the country is um, kind of wishful thinking, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I, this whole NIL thing is so interesting. Like NIL does present a, a chance for a school like Penn State. Now, I've heard their football coach complain about they don't have enough NIL money. They don't have enough in football. They clearly don't have any in baseball. But, you know, like that's a real opportunity when if your competitors are stuck at 11.7 and you can uh, scholarships and you can use NIL money to increase, you know, like your salary cap, if you will. That seems like a chance to to separate. And 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 I don't know. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how motivated athletic directors play that. 
Yeah, I will say this about Penn State as a job. I mean, there's no doubt that State College is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that that's the truth of the matter. Um, you know, they, they don't have a history of doing a lot in baseball over the last decade or so. Uh, but this is a program that, you know, and you're, and you're from Pennsylvania, so you can speak to this better than I can. But this is still a program that if you look in Western PA in specific, when you look at the rosters of, of Ohio State, Kent State, Ball State, you look at, you know, what Mike Bell's done at Pitt. Like, Pitt has been competitive in yeah. the ACC. Their overall records, may you know, may not be great, but they're being competitive in the ACC. Penn State is still Penn State. It is still the Pennsylvania State University. And so I, I do think the brand in that state, if they can just win just a little bit, they can they, – Gambino can get out there and show some small improvements next year. I think this is a program that, at least in that conference – can take a what I would consider the kind of a Rutgers like rise. Like they can be in that top four or five every year. They make the right changes. Yeah, I agree. I think academics is going to be a key. Like that that's a school that's very difficult to get into, which and it's a state school. So it's tricky. You know, like it's yeah. I think that's they have 31 sports, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's a real area where they could help Mike Gambino is give him some leeway in admissions. Um, I, I think that's been a challenge. But anyway, it, it'll be a fascinating hire, one that I didn't necessarily see coming. And, you know, if I was a Penn State fan, I'd be really, really excited. So, yeah, cool. KR, good catching up with you. Um, for everyone listening, uh, if you get on the website, save 30 at checkout, we'll get you 30% off any of our annual subscriptions at D1Baseball.com, SEC Extra. Just type in save 30 at checkout. And then if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, please subscribe. That's very helpful to us. But again, we're going to mix in our, our, our longer form podcast clearly throughout the summer. But we want to jump in here for some breaking stuff when it happens. Uh, so that is it. Everyone have a great week and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.